Hey everyone, it's Tuesday night and it's around 8.59 and this is Angel Maria with Talk It Up. How are my listeners doing on tonight? I thought I'd come to you once again since this is still Dyslexia Awareness Month and talk about what my story is. Um, Just wanted to give you a little background on myself and uh, let you know uh, my views on dyslexia and my experience on dyslexia for a little bit. So just sit back and, and listen. I would appreciate your attention. I would believe that I may have been in the fifth grade or the sixth grade um, when I first started to realize that to me I was different. You know, just imagine being a child in the fifth or sixth grade. You're sitting in the class. The class is quiet because everyone is supposed to be reading a book that the teacher, you know, has assigned or uh, something that we're supposed to be reading, a paragraph. And you're daydreaming or you keep trying to read it over and over again, but nothing is sticking in your head. The words seem to um, be just moving or you can't pronounce or uh, make out what one word is. Um, You read it and then you miss a line. So you have to go back and read it again. So the teacher begins to, you know, ask everyone questions about what you read and the dreadful thoughts cross your mind, please don't call on me. Don't call on me because I won't be able to answer it. And I don't want to be embarrassed, you know, in front of my classmates. The other part to that is read-alongs. You know how you had to read out loud or someone may have raised their hand to volunteer to read. Or maybe the teacher even called on you to read. And as they're reading and everyone in the class is following along, you can't keep up. You can't keep, you don't know where she is by the time, or he is, by the time that student gets to line number two, um, you're looking on the page to really see where she's at and as, or he's at and where the words are flowing. You're trying to keep up with each word. That's how I felt. That's the reality of how I began to realize that there was something different in the way that I learned when it dealt with reading. Um, It wasn't then that I really uh, took on notice about writing skills. Um, I had a nice handwriting, um, you know, cursive. I'm from the 80s. I was born in 68, Um, so I guess I'm a 60s baby, but, you know, the time that you're in school, for me, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, I just noticed uh, probably middle middle school um, and um, moving on to high school taking journal and uh, creative writing classes. I love to 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 write as far as the creativity. My mind has always been very imaginable and I can have the most creative stories. And my creative writing teacher, her name was Miss Chance. I love Miss Chance. She was one of my favorites. 
And Miss Chance was just always dressed to the T. You know, it was 70s style clothing, but she was always immaculate. She was always put together from the flower child type wedged heels to the perfect red lipstick on her thin lips or her straight short bobs that as she wrote on the chalkboard, you know, her hair would just swave back and forth. Um, I remember it being kind of a sandy, dirty blonde. And she was just always pleasant, but she was punctual. And everything that she said and every position and motion that she took was always perfect. I think I studied her more than I paid attention in class because she was just like the perfect teacher. And who wouldn't want to be like the perfect teacher? But I was a student that when I wrote in my journals, I'd always, you know, misspell things. And I remember her correcting my papers or saying what you wrote is excellent, but you have spelling errors. Moving on even to English in high school, it was just, oh, <laughs> it was a hot mess. Now I took advanced placement courses. Very smart because we have to remember, and if you already don't know, and if you're listening and you're dyslexic, you would agree. Dyslexia does not mean that you're unintelligent. We're very intelligent people. And I could take tests that were um, argumentative or where I got to write out the explanation. But when it came to taking tests and exams or writing papers, I just crumbled, especially if it was multiple choice or if it was something that um, basically multiple choice I had to to. to go in that direction, but you're going to always find something that was misspelled. We'd have to read things like Scarlet Letter, Romeo and Juliet, Lit Classes, um, Canterbury Tales, so many um, literature, and even with poems, Emily Dickinson, um, Emily Dickens, um, you know, Hunkerberry Finn, think that was one Tom Sawyer. Um, I don't remember them all, but I always seem to tend to want to lean towards cliff notes. I said, if I can pull together what is said in the beginning, what is said in the middle, and what is said in at the end, then I can form a good enough paper to at least bust a beat. <laughs> And so that's kind of how I got through majority of my advanced placement English classes. Now, after I graduated, and mind you, I never made National Honor Society, which always bugged me because I could never be the smart black girl up there amongst all the white kids getting uh, National Honor Society ticket, I mean, uh, um, certificate. And there was only one or two. And she, she's a good friend of mine, even to now, I still see her, but she just, um, she, 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 she just sorted everything. 
And uh, I always admired her in that because I could never reach that potential. And yeah, it made me feel dumb at some time. It made me feel embarrassing, but I had no clue I was dyslexic. My mom didn't know that I was dyslexic. The way my mom had things set up for me and my siblings is when she was at work, we had studying or, or or things to do that was educational. You just, especially on the weekends, you weren't going to get up and watch cartoons and Bugs Bunny and Elma Fudd all day long, not under her roof. I remember being, you know, probably not in the ninth grade, just taking a few hours that morning just to learn how to write appropriately on a letter. The sender, who, who, who's the sender and who's the receiver, so that it will be in the right spaces. Oh, I dreaded doing that. And being that my mom was a secretary, that AF, was it AFDKJKL semicolon or something like that, I would have to type pages of that. I loathe doing it. <laughs> to this day, I had a typewriter. Oh my gosh. But she was so adamant that she wanted us to get ahead, to be ahead, and that we can do any structured work that any other student, black, white, whatever the color, could be. She wanted that for us. I would write paragraphs um, and have it ready for her lunch break. Um, practice manuscript of how I would write. Um, I hated playing sports or uh, being in the band, being in a play, anything that was curriculum at school and I brought it home to my mother. I was going to practice with her. I was going to know the ins and the outs, the height, the depth, the width. I mean, everything. It made it, it just made it not even uh, enjoyable for me. So I quit everything. I quit softball after getting cleats and uniforms. She's paying for that. I quit um, uh, playing the clarinet. After, you know, a while, a few months, after she, you know, sacrificed to buy the clarinet. I, it's, it's so many things that I'm just like, I don't want to do it because of her approach. Very militant, you know, very hardcore and um, do this work. You're going to do it and you're going to get an A with me. So when you get to school, you can get an A with you, with the teachers. I just wish it had been a, a different type of approach. I wish there were um, documents or if there was information available back at that time that we have and that we see now in the world pertaining to dyslexia. I think that would have helped my mom. I think that would have helped me. I think that that would have helped our relationship in bonding um, and, and especially um, in studying, it was almost like that parent that you're taking driver's ed with and they're the yeller and the screamer, don't turn here. No, wait, stop. And your nerves are just so jacked up that you fail <laughs> the driving test. Yeah, that was me. I had to get my driver's license through someone else helping me, even though my mom still insisted. But the calmness of what someone else was able to help me with 
also helped me to retain more. Um, she just had high standards. She had high standards for myself, my brother, and my sister. We always had to excel. It was it was it was no below minimum um, in anything, but yet it was still there and it happened. I I changed a grade one time from an F to an A. Think it ain't easy to do. Very easy. All you have to do is slant that F over and curve it to an A. But when the report card came out and she saw that difference and the paper was hidden under my bed one day, oh my gosh, did I not get it? Mm-hmm. I got it. But it was a lot of heavy learner learning um, about that that during that time. So speeding back up and what I was saying about, you know, I got accepted to NC State and um, only college I wanted to go to. I had an uncle that was um, at Shaw University and I admire him so much. And he was dating my aunt. They were engaged to be married. And whenever he was at my grandmother's house to see her, he would always tell me I could be whatever I want. That I had so many advantages being black being a minority, being a female, and that I just did not have to settle for um, the less, that if I want more, I could go after it. And for me, that was NC State. I was not thinking about East Carolina University, which is 15, 20 minutes from Washington, North Carolina, which is where I'm from. That's too close to mama. So I had my heart, my mind set on NC State. And I got in, I got in, and um, my mom was elated. It's something she could brag about. But um, I was I was nervous going away from school, but I really was never re- prepared. My mom and I didn't get along well. And the year before I graduated, I went to stay with my aunt for a year. It was a very devastating time in my life because, um, you know, by the time I did go back home, um, semester, the two semesters flew back so fast that it was time for school. She's excited. So we're getting ready. We're prepping, getting, you know, there. And by my second semester... English was a horror film. It was Freddy Krueger, Jason, and um, the Creeper, Boogeyman, all into one. Every paper had markups. I just could not grasp the errors. I couldn't. I couldn't control just comma splices and commas and um, semicolons and you know starting paragraphs. And one of my worst was introductions and conclusions. And I struggled. And so I repeated because I didn't get a passing grade. I believe I got a D. So I had to repeat it. And I repeated it again. So once I moved to 112, first it was on 111, then it was 112. I repeated. And then I repeated again. And, um... But before even moving to 112, my advisor asked me one day, um, had I heard of dyslexia? And I, it was one foreign to me. 
So he set up for me to be tested at, um, I, I don't know if it was student services, wherever it was. I just remember taking this long computerized test. Um, it may have been something written uh, that I had to do writing-wise too. But the end result came back that I was dyslexic. To me, that was a disease. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I'm dyslexic. I'm going to die. <laughs> I can't tell my buddies here, you know, my college mates, my, my, my um, classmates that I go to, you know, classes with. I'm trying to major in engineering, but struggling in math chemistry, all the sciences. I, I was taking an overload. I've always been the type that wanted to excel and I will push myself and overload myself to the point where I would be so overload that the procrastination started and the anxiety started and then the give ups were start. But he saw potential there because I had classes that I did excellent in Spanish, humanities type classes, a history, um, just when it came to the science and the English or, or the math and the English. Um, so they, you know, set up that I would have a few electives and some tutorings courses so I took those and it showed me and taught me how to take notes how to study how to um, just just be able to function in in college as a dyslexic person and so that did me very well um, I didn't graduate at that time I actually got burned out um, I didn't have support at home my mom was a single parent. My parents divorced when I was six and my mom, you know, worked and took care of three kids. Um, she was on the system, especially until I graduated to make sure that I could get a full scholarship or financial aid in order for her kids to go to school. So she made a lot of sacrifices for us. And with those sacrifices, you know, black culture, sometimes if it comes from the parents that, you know, it's a single family home, parents are hard on their kids. Don't go outside. Don't open the door when I'm not home, you know, because she has to work. So she has to be real strict with her kids. And if you do something you're not supposed to do while she's not there, you're going to get it. <laughs> Because one, she's trying to protect hers that's on the inside of that door. And I get that now. I get that now. It wasn't until I um, got married when I was 29. And about a year later, I, I didn't feel complete. I had gotten um, saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 24. So I was, you know, very avid and faithful in church seven days a week three times on sunday five years later you know i got married someone that was at a you know met at church but i i, I didn't feel complete now i got jesus 
but I didn't feel naturally completed. I felt like the, the devil, the enemy was laughing at me. Like, ha, 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 you couldn't finish school. You didn't get your degree. You know, I'm holding it over here. So I wanted to go back, and I did. I got accepted back. I went back, and for two years, um, instead of taking the grades that I had for uh, engineering major, I had good grades and enough to matriculate into a Spanish degree. And I love culture and the study of people. Uh, so anthropology was just intriguing to me. So those became my, my, my focus points. So I graduated in 2002. And um, at that time, <laughs> already things with the new husband was going to the left. So I forfeit my um, study abroad and for Spanish, which I do regret to, to, to this day. And I didn't want to actually go into the classroom. A lot of things was happening back then. Students was beating teachers and killing teachers and poisoning teachers. Ain't no different than what's going on now. <laughs> but um, I was more passive and subtle and kind of scary. I, I didn't want to be thrown in those type of situations. Plus, things were changing where um, teachers had to stay after school. They had bus duty. It was a lot of things that just didn't interest me. I was more interested in doing kind of social work. But um, I just kind of stayed away from it all. I was going through a lot of things in my marriage and it started turning more into verbal abuse and I started to be more withdrawn because of those things. So I kind of sat on my talents. I was part of the problem. I just finished on a panel um, for Dyslexia Help Africa and the theme was the child. Um, are you a part of the problem or are you a part of the solution? Well, now that I'm 52 and I'm no longer 18, nor am I no longer 32, I'm 52 and I'm a blogger and I do marketing and graphics designs. And in doing those, it has really amplified or amplified um, my dyslexia or learning differences. I have errors all the time. And I've said before, even on this, you know, platform that I had a grown person to make fun of me writing within the first two weeks and I shut down and went right, got upset, was crying, was depressed. And it's like God was dealing with me and saying, did I tell you to quit? And I said, no, you didn't. Well, you need to go back and do it because at that time, I didn't know or couldn't see that it was really helping me. That practice, that moving forward, it was bringing me out of that shell, out of that shyness, out of that stigma, out of that, um, out of, of, of feeling that I have a reason to be embarrassed because I live, learn differently from someone else. Didn't know all of that was, was taking place within me. But as it was taking place in me, I was demonstrating to others, you can do the same thing. And it was inspiring other people. And they were reaching out to me on Instagram, on my blog, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. And before I know it, 
I mean, my head is up and I'm, I'm, I'm doing more and the self-esteem is through the roof. And I'm not talking a boast self-esteem and I'm not talking a proud look self-esteem, but a self-esteem of erasing the stigma, erasing a bully side eye that they're better than I am because I have just as much of a right to literacy and just as much of a right to blog with my errors and talk about it and go back and correct what I can, but get the diamond instead of kicking at the rocks. Get the diamond message. So it's been four years. And November the 10th, well, actually November the 10th will be four years. So it's, 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 it's pre, preliminary. But this month, as compared, um, compared to the last three months that I've been heavily involved in dyslexia awareness has been one of the greatest uh, for me because I I just I just want to sponge everything up. I want to learn everything I can. Um, some great things that have happened even during this COVID 2020. I became an author. Uh, so that's a dyslexic author, Ching Ching. Check that off the list. I've spoken on two platforms, and I actually spoke last year too. Um, I was invited to speak to some children. Uh, what else? <laughs> now, a new project that's coming up with Literacy Moms North Carolina. Um, have invited me to take to the table to do storytelling. And the book is called He Knows My Name that was launched in February with, um, um, what's her name? Felicia Lucas. My mind's trying to go blank. I'm sorry, guys. Felicia Lucas and her publishing company. Dyslexia Help Africa uh, had a panel last year that was an online conference. I was invited back again this year, so I've had a chance to voice on those two conferences two years in a row. I also am in the last leg of a dyslexia training um, class. Well, I will be a dyslexia um, tutor with having a certification. Now, it's not the OG training certification, or the Wilson training, um, but it's good enough for me. It's a start because I'm desiring really to do this. Uh, Nessie sponsored and sent their books uh, that she has out on Amazon. Um, I'm about to do a podcast with, uh, to me, a big hitter, Stephen Year Out, with um, Empowered Dys, uh, Dyslexia. Yeah, Empowered Dyslexia. And um, there's a new author. Well, actually, he'll be a three-time author come 2021, Larry C. Brown, who is um, a black male who's from near my area and uh, was introduced to him and it it was just kind of heartwarming to know that there was another black person some of you want to say African American 
black, either one, <laughs> uh, that's dyslexic too. So it's been a lot of collaborations that have come forth and has been birthed since I got back on that horse and started blogging again. I did tons of graphic designs. I did tons of promoting and um, marketing. So it's different areas that I do plan on moving towards, which is YouTube, which is merch, which is a website. But right now I'm trying to wait and transition that um, at the right timing been talking and pondering and planning on it for the last three years, but I'm about time, T-I-M-E, and uh, my time has not come for that yet. So I cheer other people on. I avidly believe in the underdog. I'm going to cheer the underdog. I'm going to uplift the underdog. I'm going to always be willing to show other people because this thing is not about me. And what I do, I don't do it to showboat or showcase me. Um, Dyslexia is real. The things that I've gone through in my life are real. These are my life journeys. And with um, a future solo book, I will be talking about things that I haven't talked about on social media. And um, so people who really think they know my story, they're going to be really shocked when they read my story. The first, um, the anthology book I did with Felicia Lucas and eight other females was a story um, on my mom and forgiveness and how I had to forgive my mother and learn to love her right because we didn't have a close relationship growing up. So I don't care how many years you have been in church or been um, of age, you can always learn. You can always learn. So that's just a little bit about how my dyslexia began all the way up to now. And it's not going anywhere. Um, remediation as far as improving and overcoming, I've I've come a long way with that. And that is, is what everyone is seeing now you even listening to me now me being able to have just a desire to read out loud or read a full book I've never liked reading but I just finished a 289 page book and the one before that was 90 page and the first one was um a good 252 friend by the name of D.G. McGee, who wrote her book, Roar. Roar, and I think Roar had 72, maybe 73 pages. I I believe that's correct. So within this year, I have read three books. And I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud that I had a desire. I had a mind to say, I can do this. And so that's why I go hard with awareness for dyslexia. That's why I go hard for advocacy. That's why I go hard to bring things where other people may be saying, I wouldn't dare read and stumble over words or say, oops, I said that one wrong. What I meant to say, I'm teaching. Listen, I'm teaching. I'm teaching and using myself so that I can help someone else. I'm in so many dyslexic groups. People hold their head down. They don't want to talk. 
people, no one on their pages know that they're dyslexic, only those that's in the private groups. For those that feel that way, I, amen, I can't do anything about that. But what I can do is let you know that you have a choice. You have a choice to move past that if that's what you want. So I hope that I've said something to encourage someone. And um, if you want to see more, read more of some of the things that I've talked about, reach out to me. Check me out. It's T-A-L-K-K-I-T-U-P. That's a Facebook blog. That's Instagram. That's Twitter. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Totaling about 17,000 followers combined. And that's where I've been from year one to year four. That's all I have for you tonight. I hope, like I said, I said something that made you smile, that made you lift your head and say, yeah, you know, I have a learning difference. And that's all it is. I'm still brilliant. I'm still smart. I still can do. And I have a lot to offer and give the world. Because when you put it in yourself, then you can put it in your child. All right. I love you guys. And until next time, I will see you then. Angela Maria will talk it up. I'm out.